the Rangers finally snapped their losing streak with the help of amazing performances by their middle infield. And is Leone Tavares becoming the breakout star for the Texas Rangers in 2023? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Thursday, June 15th, and your Rangers are 42 and 25, alone atop the AL West with a three and a half game lead. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick, follow the show at Locked On Rangers, and subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Before we get into today's episode, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. The championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit, and same with your vehicle. So, the parts get the part that fit, head to eBay Motors, and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay guaranteed fit ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items apply items only exclusions apply now the rangers finally snapped their three game losing streak which just it felt like more than a three game losing streak the rangers have lost five out of six granted two of those were to the tampa bay rays the best team in baseball on the road in tampa bay or st petersburg whatever city it's actually in um and one of the hardest places actually the hardest place to get wins as an opposing team this year but the rangers also dropped their first two in frustrating fashion to this angels team which is very good and is on a hot streak and by the way i'm really really annoyed they decided to go on this hot streak after dropping three out of four at home to the a the um excuse me the astros not the angels or the a the astros the other a team in this division um but still this is a good angels team and, and the rangers just had some really unlucky bounces they were doing mostly the things the big things right but just a few mental mistakes here and there it cost them in the last couple of games and also you know Shohei Otani doing Shohei Otani things which he did yet again today another 116 mile an hour uh, home run which was the hardest hit opposite field home run by a lefty in the stat cast era which is just insane he also did it off the rangers closer who's been pretty excellent this season but not as excellent in non-save situations which it was a five-run game because the rangers were able to pile on some runs late in this one a close game throughout not a great performance from andrew heaney in this one the rangers have had some struggles in their starting rotation the last time through i mean nathan Eovaldi did did really solid in tampa bay but still not his best outing more walks than he's accustomed to and and heaney against his former team just did not did not look like the best version of Andrew Heaney that we've seen several times this season three and two-thirds innings thankfully just one run but four walks five strikeouts five hits he also hit a batter and could not make it through four innings on an and the Rangers really, really needed that. They needed some length from their starters these last couple of days because they went 12 innings on Monday and they haven't had an off day in more than a week, won't have one until next Thursday, and they need some length from their starters. They did not get that from Heaney. He had a stretch where he had six out of seven starts where he went six or more innings 
starting on April 27th against actually on April 22nd against Oakland. Um, he had a really nice long stretch, which is not something that I expected from Heaney. He needs a guy who's not been terribly efficient with his pitch counts and, you know, does have a little bit of a walk problem more so this year than last year. Also gets a lot of strikeouts, but he needs a lot of pitches to do that. So pitching deep into games isn't necessarily his forte. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to, to ask him to go five, six innings all the time and, and, be that consistent or at least five innings feels like a, a bare minimum for a guy who's granted your number four maybe three starter depending on how you feel about him in this rotation but he was coming into the season as the number five starter and he he, de- he delivers exactly what you want from a five starter in a good rotation occasionally have some days where he looks amazing and some days where he has clunkers but most days he'll get you around five ish innings and keep you in the baseball game. He, he did that with the Rangers today, but I really would have liked to see him be a little bit more aggressive in the zone. Granted, sometimes when he does that, he does get lit up for some home runs. And this Angels team definitely has a lot of home run power in there, but shout out to the bullpen yet again, coming up huge. I mean, the Rangers have used so many relievers and had to pitch so many innings this last week, and they just keep coming up big. Grant Anderson, two and two, two and a third scoreless, perfect innings. Josh Spores, Two innings of shutout baseball, three strikeouts for him, just the one walk, the only base runner that he allowed. And then Will Smith comes in in a non-save situation, gives up a hit, and then a home run to Shohei Otani because, of course, it's Shohei Otani. And, and the home run that he hit to the opposite field, it was it was a pitch up and in that he took the opposite way. I mean, the, the thing that he does is he has so much power to the opposite field on pitches that are inside, he can just turn on them and, and hit them to the opposite field. Do you know how strong you have to be to hit a ball 116 miles an hour off? Not a, not even a whole lot of velocity coming off Will Smith. So a lot of that power, almost all of it is generated by Shohei Otani. It's just, it's just insane the things he does. And I, I really hope the Rangers um, throw all of the money that they possibly can at him. I mean, throw, I don't know, maybe half a billion dollars, like what they spent on this middle infield that came up huge with back-to-back homers when the Rangers really, really needed it in the seventh inning, the second time in their Rangers career that these two have gone back-to-back. And Marcus Simeon was in a bit of a rut since that uh, that 25-game hitting streak was snapped. I believe he was 0 for 12 on the homestand heading into this game. Comes up with a multi-kick game, including his 10th home run of the season. Seager follows it up with a massive shot of his ninth uh, of the season gaining on Marcus Simeon and Seager has just been on an unbelievable tear as of late and he had another great game in this series I mean if if he doesn't win AL player of the week I'm gonna be shocked out of my freaking mind unless he goes over for the rest of the week I mean, Seager has just been lighting up this Angels team giving them everything that they could handle and he has had a couple of defensive miscues, actually just one really big defensive miscue in the Tuesday loss, but still, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, those two guys at the top of your order, the top in the middle of your infield, this is the best middle infield in all of baseball, and one of the best middle infields that I think the Rangers have ever had. I mean, the only close comparison, I think, is, I don't know, peak A-Rod and was no Alfonso Soriano was not here during that um and Michael Young I mean that's that's about as close as it gets I mean I was having this debate with uh, Mike Pellucci on Twitter about uh Corey Seager he said that Corey Seager is the best pure hitter that the Rangers have employed since A-Rod and I said well maybe you can just take off that since A-Rod and I think he might be the best pure hitter the Rangers have ever employed now Overall, offensively, I know people have a lot of feelings about A-Rod, the person, um, which it totally justified. And the way it ended here obviously ruffled a lot of feathers. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. But 
But A-Rod the player, when he was here, he was absolutely a singular force. I mean, an MVP-level player three years in a row, set franchise records. He, he was just so incredibly good at baseball, and people were like, oh, he wasn't worth the contract. Yeah, A-Rod was worth the contract. He was absolutely worth the contract when he was with the Rangers. Um, and, you know, you can debate about the return on the trade, but he was an outstanding talent. And Corey Seager is looking like he is absolutely worth that contract as well. I mean, more than worth it. He's been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. I, I talked a lot about his different statistics, why he's so impressive yesterday. I mean, his uh, you look at him up and down the um, baseball savant charts, and he is just right up there with the best of them. He just is so incredibly good. And one of the things that I, I was noticing that I, I, didn't, um, I didn't mention on yesterday's show is one of the things about Corey Seager's uh, you know, plate discipline and, and the way that he approaches things is he, he swings a whole lot early on. And he swings a whole lot, whole lot early on to get into 0-2 counts. And once he gets behind 0-2, it never feels like he's overmatched. This is his slash line after he goes down 0-2. He's hit has an average of 261 on base of 292, slugging 478. That's a 770 OPS after he goes down 0-2. That's incredible. That is a sign of a great hitter. That and the fact that he barrels up literally every single thing. The fact, like, there's so many different types of pitches. It feels like he never has a soft hit ball. It's just everything is coming off his bat absolutely stung. That is why he has been so incredibly good for the Rangers and so incredibly valuable and absolutely should be an all-star and probably is going to work his way in the MVP conversation if he keeps this up and stays healthy for the rest of the season. Coming up, we're going to look at some missed opportunities by the Rangers and Leody Tavares developing into everything the Rangers hoped he would be and more. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable pair of pants or shorts you will ever wear. Bird Dogs are, they make you look good. They are so comfortable. I promise you, once you get yourself a pair, you will not want to take them off. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg and give you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of this stiff, stiff restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice your movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. If you want to go for long walks out in the summer heat or just hang outside or go catch a Rangers game and you want to wear some shorts that aren't going to make you sweat through your pants, well, I know I know that even if the roof is open, you're, you're still going to be feeling nice and comfortable if you're wearing yourself a pair of Bird Dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on Friday's show. I'll wrap up the week down on the farm. The Rangers take on the Angels this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers didn't take advantage of all their opportunities last night. There were a couple of instances where it just felt really uncharacteristic and kind of like a coming back down to earth. The Rangers have basically hit like Barry Bonds with runners in scoring position all year. Those numbers aren't going to keep up. I mean, it's as a team, not just individuals, but like as a team, they're basically putting up Bonzian level slash lines with runners in scoring position. This is a good team and a good offense and a very, very deep lineup. But 
those numbers just aren't going to continue. And sometimes it's going to come back crashing down to earth um, in the law of averages in, in frustrating ways by guys that you don't necessarily expect. Now, in the in the sixth inning, this was the most frustrating uh, instance of this of them all. And Josh Young had come up, comes up with the bases loaded and one out, and he strikes out. He expands the zone. He can't get the run home. This was back when it was still a one-one game, and you thought, okay, well, this is frustrating. But you know, it's fine. Jonah Heim is is coming up as well, so he's been incredible with runners in scoring position, runners the bases loaded, and, and all kinds of clutch situations like that. And Jonah Heim, um, he also gets an unproductive out just an, an out i guess with two outs there's nothing productive about that but young expanding the zone and chasing while he's ahead in the count that was a really frustrating moment a, a teaching moment and i think that's something that it's not typical of him but still frustrating to see your number five and six hitters who have been fantastic all season waste a chance like that and then in the fifth inning Rangers had runners on second and third with one out robbie grossman comes up and, and he also strikes out just having a runner on third with one or fewer outs and not getting twice and not getting the run home is really, really frustrating and uncharacteristic of the Rangers. Then Leody Tavares, I believe he grounded out after that and the Rangers couldn't get any runs off of that in the fifth inning. So just uncharacteristic coming back down to earth for this offense, but but still they find a way to get things done. Leo Tavares tied it up and in the bottom of the third inning with his home run, his sixth of the season, and he is really breaking out for the Rangers. So far this year, he has been absolutely incredible. Everything the Rangers hoped he would be, I mean, it, People have been putting him on prospect list for so long. The last, the first top 10 that I saw him on on MLB Pipeline was 2016. I believe he was ninth at the end of the year on that list. And then 2017, he was the number one overall prospect in the Rangers system. I think he might have been in 2018 as well. Um, but he kind of fell down some of those prospect lists because of prospect fatigue. We've been hearing about him for so freaking long. He is still very young. I believe he is 22 years old. No, excuse me, 24 years old, turning 25 in September. He made his big league debut at age 21 in 2020 and had a solid season then, and then kind of really came crashing back down to earth in 2021 and 2022. The first half was amazing, and the second half, it he just could not sustain it. He thought, okay, well, I guess this is Leo Tavares. This is the Leo Tavares we're going to get. He's not going to be all that great offensively, but we, we know what he can do defensively. But this year, the offense that we saw in the first half of 2022, that has proved to be semi-sustainable. Maybe he'll fall off again in the second half this year, but I really don't believe so. The The numbers are, are looking incredible. I mean, his expected batting average is in the 94th percentile. Right now he's hitting 305, and his expecting expected batting average is 299. That's in the top 10, top 6% of the league. His expected slugging is at 440, which is about what a little bit below what his actual slugging is. He has an OPS of 845. He is a 2.1 war player, according to baseball reference, just ahead of Corey Seager and a little bit behind John Gray for the fourth most valuable Ranger on this squad. He has been doing everything the Rangers expected of him, and he, he is the best nine-hole hitter in the league. I, I think it's not even particularly close. And there are some people in my mentions saying, oh, he should be not hitting ninth. I, I don't think so. I think that him hitting ninth <clears throat> is is a great place for him to be. Him being the guy that gets on base a lot and gets on base for Marcus Simeon, who is one of the best RBI men in the league and does really well with runners in scoring position and in clutch situations. And having Leo Tavares at the bottom of your lineup, <clears throat> if this is you know, a, a playoff game and a, the A1 lineup. I, I think that eighth is is exactly where he's supposed to hit. I mean, in the apex form of this lineup, you go Simeon, Seager, Lowe, Garcia, Young, Haim, Garver, and then in the eighth spot, Ezekiel Duran. 
I don't think that Leoti is necessarily a, a bigger offensive force than than really anybody else in that lineup. Even though he's been incredibly good, I still trust those guys a little bit more. And again, like I said on yesterday's episode, there is something to consistency in the lineup. There is something important about that and guys knowing where they're going to be every day where they're going to hit what situations they're going to be who's going to be ahead of them who's going to be behind them like there's something valuable to that there is a reason why Bochi has kept a very consistent lineup even when Corey Seager was out putting different guys in the two hole and not disrupting everybody else by just moving them up a spot and it worked the Rangers offense has been incredibly consistent incredibly good and Bochi just kind of knows what buttons to push. And, and Tavares has been the breakout star this year. Development, player development is not linear. It's not always, you know, Mike Trout. It's like, okay, you, you draft the player and, oh, wow, they're amazing at rookie ball. Okay, let's promote them to the next level and the next level and the next level. And they just succeed at every single level. Then come up to the big leagues and are instantly amazing. Like that, that's just not how development works for, for baseball players or for people in general. It, it takes some ups and downs and some turns and not everybody follows the exact same path. And, and sometimes it just takes a little while for guys to get there. I mean, a lot of times people will start to write off players after about a hundred games in the big league level and say, okay, well, once you've had about a hundred games under your belt, then we kind of know what, what you are as a player. And he had 33 games in 2020. Leody had 49 games in 2021 and then 99 games last year. So everyone thought, okay, we, we kind of know about what Leody Tavares is. And this year he's proved no, you don't know what I am. I am a starting caliber center fielder. I am an above average first division regular, maybe even all-star caliber player. I mean, the guy has an 845 OPS and he's one of the best defensive center fielders in all baseball. He's one of the fastest players in baseball. He's had one of the biggest arms. He has a lot of really powerful tools and he's putting together really quality at bats and, and getting on base with this three... 364 clip as one of the fastest players in baseball that that is a extremely valuable player the thing that i have always said about leo Tavares and that has always been said about leo Tavares and why he was always so high on prospect boards is that he's got the loud tools i didn't really know as much about the arm until he got to the big league level you can start seeing those cannon throws being uncorked okay but the speed the defense the reads a playing premium center field defense is a very, very valuable and often underrated thing. Leonis Martin was a very valuable player with the Rangers, even though he didn't really do very much offensively because he was got such good reads. He had such great speed and also such a big arm in center field that that provided a lot of value. There were a lot of outs that he converted and a lot of outs that he got with his arm on the base paths. And, you know, just as a general deterrent of keeping runners from going the extra base, we've seen... Well, it hasn't deterred people as much from riding on Adoles Garcia, but I think on Leody, they, they also have kind of, you know, pumped the brakes on going the extra base. And so he never had to do that much offensively, Leody Tavares, that is, to be a good major leaguer. Not just a, like, fine, okay, but to be a good major leaguer. Right now, he's on pace to have about a five-war season. That's exceptional. The Raiders haven't had a five-war center fielder since... I don't know, maybe when Josh Hamilton was was a center fielder, maybe Leonis Martin. I think the most that Leonis Martin had a season was about a three or four war season. I don't think he ever got to five. Um, but still, this is an incredibly valuable player and a huge development for the Rangers, along with the breakout of Josh Young, who we all knew was going to be pretty darn good, and Ezekiel Duran, who also played first base last night. Nathaniel Lowe had his first night off of the season. It just looked like, oh, it's nothing. Here here goes Ezekiel Duran hitting in the three-hole and playing first base, and there was pretty much, um, you know, no discernible difference defensively, which is a huge testament to Ezekiel Duran and his versatility and why the Rangers like him so much. But 
but I feel like we focus or I focus so much on Josh Young's development this year and uh, the breakout of Ezekiel Duran that I kind of haven't appreciated Leody Tavares also taking that huge next step and, and doing it right when everyone was trying to push him to a bench role and promote Evan Carter straight from double A. That's not how this works. And I'm glad that I stuck with saying Leody is going to figure it out and be a very productive or at least a pretty productive center fielder in the major leagues. And so far he has been. The Rangers have several years of control under uh, of him uh, under contract, and I am really excited for the future of Leo Tavares because I think this is who he is. Maybe he won't have an 845 OPS at the end of the season, but still, he's going to be a really, really valuable player and a huge part of the reason why the Rangers are having so much success. Come back, we're going to look at John Gray, his importance to this rotation, and a couple of roster moves, what they say about the Rangers, why the Rangers might have yet another 40-man roster crunch coming up in just a second. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On Monday's show, we'll rack, ra- wrap up this weekend series against the Toronto Blue Jays. The Rangers take on the Blue Jays this weekend. Weekend You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on a Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, John Gray threw a very light bullpen on Wednesday. Didn't get an update on how that went. It, it seemed to have gone okay. I vaguely remember Emily Jones on the broadcast saying that it, it went okay. There was a lot of spectators there. Um, but the Rangers are really needing to have him come into the rotation and make a start, uh, make make at least his next start. Cody Bradford has not been sent back down, so it makes me kind of worried that there is going to be an IL stint for this blister issue with John Gray. And so far this season, he has been incredibly valuable to the Rangers. The Rangers need him to be healthy, and they, they definitely need him healthy for the playoffs, but they, they need him healthy for the regular season too because you know with the injury to Jacob DeGrom, him not pitching anymore this season, with having no Jake Odorizzi at all, um, this Rangers rotation needs the top two guys to be the top two guys. And John Gray has been exceptional this season. He has a, a 232 ERA in 12 starts, 72 and a third, two-thirds innings pitched, a whip below one. His expected ERA is way higher, way higher. I think he was getting very lucky early on in the season, but so far, the last few starts, basically since the month of May, I think he has deserved to have the one-something-ish ERA he's had in the last uh, you know month and a half, basically. His expected ERA is at 392. His regular ERA is at 232. It's kind of the inverse of his career. Every year, except for, I believe, two, he has had an actual ERA much higher than his expected ERA. So maybe he's getting some good luck going his way, but he definitely deserves it. He has been very effective for the Rangers and been able to pitch deep into games. And the Rangers, like I said, need that length out of their starters, and they, they need just starters in general. They just need their starters to stay healthy um, with Jacob deGrom being out for the season and only getting 30 innings out of him. John Gray has become incredibly important as the Rangers' number two starter. He's going to be, if he's healthy, he's going to be their game two starter in a playoff series if they get to it, which, by the way, I'm pretty darn sure they're going to get to. The, the Astros just got dealt some bad news. Lance McCullers Jr. had forearm surgery, and he is out for the season. He has not pitched at all for them this year. Um but the Rangers' chances to win the AL West and make the playoffs are getting better and better. There's a little bit more of a discrepancy in baseball reference and Fangraphs' expect expectations on the Rangers to make the postseason. Right now, baseball reference has the Rangers at an 87.8% chance to make the postseason and an 8.7% chance to win the World Series, whereas Fangraphs has the Rangers with a 75.9% chance to make the playoffs and the Astros all the way down at 67.9% chance to make the playoffs. They are three and a half games behind the Rangers, um, and those Astros are two games ahead of the Angels. So this is going to be a tough division race, and um, you know 
the Astros aren't going anywhere. They have been dealt a bad hand with injuries. So have the Rangers. The Rangers got 30 innings of Jacob Grom, and they are still absolutely flying. They had a, a month and a month plus of no Corey Seager and about a month and a half of no Mitch Garver. So this team hasn't, you know, been exactly super duper lucky with their injuries either. But still, it's keeping things in perspective after a three game losing streak. And, you know, it is just three games and the Rangers can bounce back. And yet losing a series to the Rays is not great. And if the Rangers lose this series to the Angels, that'll be the first time the Rangers lose back to back series since the second and third series of the year. That was against Kansas City and then the trip to Chicago for the first road series of the year. But the Rangers do a good job of keeping things in perspective. I feel really confident with Bruce Bochy, you know, setting the tone that these guys aren't going to get too overwhelmed. And you know, I, I feel myself getting wrapped up in it too. I feel like Rangers Twitter the last few days have just been like, oh my gosh, everything is everything is going wrong. Everything is, is terrible. The Rangers aren't going to make the playoffs. Everything's coming crashing back down and readjusting my expectations to what it's like to kind of try and keep a level head and a perspective on a 162-game season when there are expectations as opposed to just, oh, here's another three-game series that the Rangers lost. They're just going to suck because that's what they do for the last, you know, six years readjusting those expectations definitely takes time and um you know kind of following the lead of bruce bochy and and never getting too high and too low and kind of remembering okay yeah this is a long season yeah this is a rough stretch but just taking a look at those standings every single day seeing the rangers do still have that cushion atop the aos it's three and a half games and i wish it was more and if the angels had started their freaking hot streak before they decided to you know continue it into beating the rangers first two out of the three games in this series, then maybe the Rangers have a little bit more cushion in the AL West um, over those dreaded Houston Astros. But still, this team is in a good place, and keeping that perspective is important. The Rangers have a very good team this year, and a team that, you know, even the worst teams can beat the best teams. That, that's what happened a couple of days in a row in Oakland. In case you haven't been paying attention to what's going on there, Tuesday night was one of the best nights I think I've seen from a in all of baseball, just a really, really special moment. There was a reverse boycott held by A's fans to kind of show ownership and the league in general and whatever new ownership uh, group might come in and bring an expansion team to Oakland because Oakland deserves baseball. Show them, hey, we're not the problem. They packed Oakland Coliseum against the Rays on a Tuesday night. They were on a six-game winning streak heading into that game against the best team in baseball. They had taken the first game of that series, and then they went and they beat the Rays. They beat them for the first two out of the three, four first two out of the four games in that series. They held it close in the third game, but I mean, the A's on a winning streak. They swept the Brewers heading into that series. I mean, it happens to everybody. These bad losses happen to everybody. I mean, we, we saw how good the Rays were this past weekend, and then they lose two out of their first three to the A's, and they might lose three out of four in that series in Oakland. So keeping your head on straight kind of kind of matters. And I just want to shout out to A's fans who are, are in a, a rough way right now. I know that the Rangers fans have a... Uh, you know, love-hate relationship with the A's, especially after that 2012 season where the A's stole the division title from the Rangers on the last day of the season, and the Rangers had to play in that stupid wild card one-off game, and, and we all know how that went, and that was um, in- extremely frustrating. But baseball was better with Oakland having a baseball team, and the frustration that those fans must feel of having an owner who does not spend on his product and is going to fleece another local government into giving him a bunch of bunch of money. I mean. Nevada just signed, I think, $300 million in aid to help him build his stadium in Las Vegas. And I, I don't know what those Vegas 
politicians are thinking, seeing this scene in Oakland, seeing how he has treated that franchise, how he has neglected to spend any money on them and thinking, oh, no, 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 we'll be different. He, he'll be different for us. Like, no, no, he's not going to be any different from you. It's a bad look for Major League Baseball having owners who don't try, who don't spend money on their team and just take those big checks of revenue sharing and just pocket that money and buy themselves another yacht and then spend absolutely nothing on their baseball team. I mean, they... They made $800,000 on this one game. They tried to make a, a PR stint of saying, oh, hey, you know, all this money that we're getting from these fans who are showing up to show that they're not the problem, we're going to donate that to chari- local charities, which that's a good move, and it's a nice thing. I'm not going to complain about donating money to charity, but kind of them saying, oh, look at all this money that we, we make, we could make if we just put an ounce of care into this team and updating the stadium or you know, actually paying our players or not just having the lowest payroll in all of baseball year in and year out. It's an embarrassing look for Major League Baseball and it should make it makes me and definitely should make Rangers fans very grateful that they have an owner who gives a crap and who will spend money on his team because if you don't you can have a really bad situation like in Oakland. And uh, it's just a bad look for Major League Baseball. I hope that John Fisher does sell the team. Oh, baseball is better Major League Baseball is better with the team in Oakland. A's fans deserve so much better. And before you crap on the A's with another you know, empty stadium picture, remember, there are fans that care a lot about that team. And it is not their fault that that stadium is not full. It is the fault of John Fisher. And, you know, thank God Rangers have an owner who actually wants to spend money on great, great baseball players like Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and John Gray and Nate Eovaldi and Jacob DeGrom and everybody else. They spent so much money on these last few years. Rangers are in a good place. Thankfully, that winning streak is is started. Maybe the Rangers can continue it and, you know, go on a, a prolonged winning streak and kind of make, make us forget the last six or seven days that have been a bit of a rough patch. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. Like I said on tomorrow's show, we're wrapping up the last week in the minor league system with a couple of guys who haven't talked about so far this year that I'm really looking forward to singing their praises. That's going to do it for today's show. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.